Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, season two, episode seven. My name is Dean Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Tonight, no Alex, we got Stacey and we got Beck, and again, we say this every week, but we are sitting here buzzing after another amazing playoff round. Uh, let's get straight into it, because the listener question is, give it to us, guys. What was your highlight from the AFC and NFC Championship round? Uh, Beck, going to start with you. I mean, these games are insane. How close they are coming to the end. Like, I'm loving it so much. But how can we go past um, Odell Beckham Jr., OBJ? Like, he is back and in full form. Like, he is just, like, it's almost like he's back at the Giants and he's just having these amazing crisp routes. He's burning his corners. He's catching every ball that's coming his way. Like, he had a great game. And you just wonder, like, there's like this OBJ effect now. You just wonder how many other players are out there playing in struggling franchises that are secretly stars because OBJ, he's certainly back, 100% agree. Look, for me, my highlight, low light, however you'd like, is the uh, the up-and-down roller coaster of the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I think for our long-term listeners, you guys have been there with me as, uh, you know, this was my team that I really sort of, you know, I guess I was just so confident this team would win each and every week with Patrick Mahomes, and uh, I guess it ended uh, in dramatic in dramatic fashion. So Patrick Mahomes, that interception um, in in overtime, it was just it it it's, it very much sums up uh, KC's season because you know they did go out of their way to adapt their playing style. A lot of Mahomes' passes were very short. You know he sort of didn't didn't press too much um, to try and get away for some of those early season interceptions, but. You know, in, in, in that clutch moment, he really tried to push that pass and an unbelievable play uh, by the Bengals' uh, secondary there to get the interception. But you just wonder, hand the ball to your running back, grind it out, a little bit of patience there. You've got all the time in the world. So, um, yeah, KC go down in flames. Stacey, we all know where you're headed here. Um, <laughs> we, we, we've been thinking of you as we watch this all unfold, but uh, talk to us about your highlight. I actually don't know if I need to say anything. Like what I've predicted has sort of played out and it's been really nice and it's really satisfying. But, man, I have to shout out the Bengals' defense in that overtime to be able to pull off a clutch win when in the game previously the Chiefs had uh, essentially won by a coin toss. Uh, for them to see, to see them go down with the same situation was just the icing on the cake. But, I mean, Joe Barry just getting it done, getting it back to the Bengals. You know, I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling a Super Bowl. Uh, they head there for the first time in 33 years, so longer than Joe Barry's has been alive. So I'm super excited, super excited. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, All Ball. Every franchise has had tons of great players and legendary personalities, but who stands out above the rest? Rodgers going to air it out. Ready play action. Gronkowski. Mahomes on the go. Flings it. It's caught by Kelsey. What separates really good players from great players? The biggest game is the greatest stage. I think that's what playing quarterback's all about. Side of the mountains, I see fire. 
Yeah, and for our new listeners, our all-ball segment is where we focus on a particular individual, a particular player, and who else than none other than Joe Burrow. Stacey, I feel like I should just hand you the mic and let you talk for uh, for half an hour to, I guess, continue the gloating because this is very much an I told you so moment. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about sort of, you know, what we thought about Joe um, as he sort of first started out in his NFL career. There would be very, very few uh, that would have thought he could, I guess, get to where he is today. But I'm going to give you the, the first uh, opportunity at this one. Talk to us about Joe Burrow because, you know, when you really – dig back into his past, it all starts to make sense as to how he's been so successful so quickly. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He wasn't anything overly special. And, you know, in 2013, back when he was 17 years old, which, you know, if you think about 2013, was not that long ago, so it just makes me feel really old. uh, He reached out to a recruiting analysis and, you know, he sent them a tweet. He was basically like, I was wondering if there were any specific camps I could get to to help get my name out there because I'm not really getting attention. Uh, So the analyst obviously worked his magic and his career path since then has pretty much been he was at Ohio State to start with. Uh, His career path since then transferred to LSU, won the starting job, won a college football playoff title, won the Heisman, drafted number one overall and is now heading to the Super Bowl. And I mean... To be a quarterback, uh, the first quarterback in history to take um, a team being the first overall draft pick to the Super Bowl within two years is just, I mean, it's just insane. It's absolutely incredible. And, and Beck, if we we dig into uh, some of that past that Stacey spoke about, one of the things that we are starting to see with the absolute elite talent is they didn't have it their own way. They weren't the number one talent in the country. They didn't have it all their own way during college, you know. If, even if we, if we even if we take a step back and we go back to Alex's, uh, you know, obviously alma mater, uh, Ohio State, her, her favorite uh, college, you know, the fact that you, you look at it now and Joe Burrows didn't win the starting job. He had a red shirt, two years behind JT Barrett, you know, lost out the job, uh, lost the starting role, and, and basically had to move colleges because of Dwayne Haskins. You know, you, you see where these where these players have kind of landed in the NFL compared to Joe. It's unbelievable, but. I guess the question I've got for you is it's that adversity that's kind of major. Totally agree. Like we look at all the top quarterbacks in the league at the moment and most of them have had had to struggle and had to fight for their starting roles through college or not necessarily got to play in, you know, really elite programs in college. They had to come from, you know, a bit of a tougher division and really show themselves to the world by proving that they are capable of doing it. And I think Joe Burrows kind of sits in between those players because he did get to go into an amazing program at LSU, which is rightfully where he belonged because, like you said, Ohio State didn't necessarily see the potential that he has. Um, And he had to really fight and work for his starting role. And, I mean, it kind of shows in the way that he plays in the NFL now because he's really working hard there and proving that he deserves to be in this team. He deserves to be in a Super Bowl. Um, and yeah, where we see, you know, a lot of first round picks that have been starting through college struggle so much um, in some of the teams that they're in. And he's just, he's not like he's shining. I think too, like he wasn't necessarily drafted in the best of teams. You know, he didn't make his way, uh, you know, into a great program. And I think the way that he's gone about just developing himself um, to that point. He's just so steely-eyed and he's just got this air about him that he's been playing for 20, 30 years. The, 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 the nouse 
um, you know, of a veteran quarterback. But, you know, props has to go back to the LSU program and Ed Ogeron uh, and his offensive schemes actually played really well into lending Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase in the positions that they are right now. And the fact that Joe's had to struggle and work his way through this is a perfect reason why he's so successful in the NFL. He's resilient, and that's the one thing you need to be. And he's and he's a winner. So another interesting thing to point out about Joe is he's he's a little bit older than most first round pick quarterbacks coming out of the league. Like we usually see some some young fellas, some 21, 22 year olds coming out. Most of them only played three years in college rather than the four years that they um, can stay back and play for. So he has a little bit of a little bit more maturity about himself as well because he has a little bit more life experience. And I think that shows on the field. Yeah. And the other thing that Joe's got as well is he's got swagger. And it, it's really interesting because you, d- you just wonder whether there's some players out there that kind of say the right thing to the media, but there's other people in this very special category like Joe who actually mean what they say. And, you know, you think about some of the interviews that, that, you know, some of the past coaches who have spoken about Joe, there, there were situations where Joe, prior to, his ex, prior to his unbelievable season at LSU, he was telling everybody that he was going to go and do this. They, they were going to go and win the national title. And everyone's, you know, LSU, they're, they're a great college, but they're not necessarily going to, to win it all. You know, they, they, they traditionally can't compete with Alabama, Georgia, uh, Clemson at the time, but but he had this belief and everyone kind of looked at him like, you know, he, he was kind of crazy, but he goes and achieves that. And, and Stacey, you know, just quickly before we really dive into the, to his NFL career, what he achieved at LSU has gone down as arguably the single best season of any quarterback ever. Now, I mean, we've been playing college football for a little bit of time now that there's been some incredible players to come through that, uh, come through that sport. But I guess that, that probably starts to make sense now that the more we see Joe play. Oh, definitely. You know, and, and just to look at some of the records that he's actually sent, you know, a set uh, while he was in college, you know, he was the first in SEC history in a completion percentage in a, of a season of 76.3%. The most... Uh, first in FBS history for points responsible during a season, most touchdowns responsible in a season with 65 touchdowns. Uh, he led the season, he led the SEC in history, first in history passing yards in a season, 5,671. I'm doing Alex no justice with these stats, so uh, bear with me. But, I mean, just just looking at all of that as it is, like the list goes on. There's like 20 20 type of, uh, you know, he, 20 records here that we could talk about. But, I mean, yeah, they speak for themselves. Okay, Beck, and let's let's now, I guess, fast forward to the NFL draft because, you know, after the back of that incredible season, you can certainly understand why he went number one in the draft. But I guess the challenge with that is you're going to go to a, to a, to a franchise that's struggling. But let's add a little bit more adversity to Joe's plate. He then goes out. And, and, and absolutely destroys his knee throughout that rookie season. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's not like for a lot of people, everyone was very, very, I guess, surprised, you know, in terms of Joe's, uh, I guess, elite talent. But you, you go to the Cincinnati Bengals, a dead franchise, you blow out your knee. Are we right in saying, you know, we, we were quite right in having our reservations? But, yeah, talk to us a little bit about that, that knee injury. I think all the fans in Cincinnati were probably super excited to see Joe come over considering the college career that he had and the year that he got drafted, you know, they weren't a very successful franchise. I think they only won three games 
um, the previous season, which is why they got the first overall pick. And then to pick Joe Burrows, this amazing quarterback who's going to come out and hopefully turn, turn the franchise around and then to, yeah, tear his ACL during the season and be done for the year is it's heartbreaking, not just for him, but for the fans and the franchise when they're just ready to rebuild and turn things around, they get hit with this massive injury and they're back to square one. Like they're back to their previous year. What do they do? Like it's, yeah, it's massive. And then to think, is he going to be able to recover? Is he going to come back the same? Because we've seen it before where players get injured with these massive injuries and they just never come back and play the same. Yeah, completely. And I think like, and part of me actually thinks that the Bengals could see Joe Burrow's injury as a good thing because, one, it meant that they did not have a great season, so they got more picks in the 2021 draft. And if you think about it, in 2020, they drafted Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, uh, who's been big game players. And then in 2021, they get Jamar Chase. They get a couple of – they fill out their defense, and their defense was is really good as well you know they pick they're picking up all these little pieces and and it comes together and that's that's how I've followed the Bengals this whole time because obviously you know I loved LSU and that that college national championship and I'm like this guy is special but to see the effort that they've been putting into building this program is even better you just get the sense now that everything he touches turns to gold because to Stacey's point, the guy can even draft. I mean, there there are executives in this league who have been doing this for decades that bomb year in, year out when it comes to the NFL draft. You know, Joe Burrows, he was he was absolutely clear that he wanted Chase. And, you know, you get it. You know, you built that combination at college with your wide receiver. You know, you've just had your, your, your knee blown out because the offensive line has been horrific. It's still quite poor. Penny Sewell was the clear, you know, tackle obvious choice and you know they, they 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 went with joe's decision so not only can he play at elite level he can also draft what can he not what, what can't he do i guess all right guys let's do a quick around the grounds just sort of reflecting on yeah what what, what we i guess respect most about what we enjoy most about his game stacy you know if, if someone hadn't watched joe burrow play what is it about him that makes him special when it comes to his on-field performances if you haven't seen Joe Burrow play, what you're looking at is a complete control over everything that's happening in front of him on the football field. His football IQ is so high, his ability to read defenses, but also to understand the chemistry that he has with his other teammates and the fact that he's still willing to go out there and put his body on the line after a horrific injury. Uh, that's the kind of guy that you're looking at. And it's, yes, he's got a big arm. Yes, he's super accurate. Him and Jamar Chase make these crazy, ridiculous throws. But this is a quarterback that's going to be around for a long time. And, and I'm going to I'm going to say it early because that's what I've done this season. Potential Hall of Famer. There we go. You're, you're definitely on record there. Look, for me, trying to, trying to uh, describe Joe is particularly challenging. I think the first thing you've got to do is you've got to try and forget about some of the top you know, stop comparing him to some of the top elite talent in the NFL, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, because I think that sort of overshadows Joe. You know, if you just look at him in isolation, he is incredibly impressive. And then the one thing that I just don't quite think people understand when they look at Joe Burrows is he's an unbelievable athlete. You know, is he as electric as Lamar Jackson? No, he's not. But it is definitely an underrated part of his game. And you see him in the pocket where things break down and they break down all the time there in Cincinnati. That offensive line is absolutely horrific. There's hardly any players in the competition that would be able to handle that sort of pressure, but he's able to do it. He's able to evade, he's able to escape. And then not only that, he doesn't just throw the ball away, 
he somehow finds his receivers every time. So that, that ability in the pocket, so that when they do build up this offensive line, you know, what are we dealing with here? This is a guy that's taken this team to the Super Bowl. You know, they, they're obviously, you know what they're going to do in free agency. You know what they're going to do in the draft. They're going to stack that offensive line. When this guy has time in the pocket, I mean, it, it, it's going to be crazy to see. Beck, just, just round us off here. Um, obviously, you've watched Joe uh, a fair bit, um, you know, so far in his career. Um, yeah, thoughts on Burrow? I mean, you, you you both have kind of covered it all pretty well, but I feel like um, when you look at Joe, he's such a confident player, not just in himself, but in his team around him as well. Like the fact that he does let those balls go to his receivers with the confidence that they are going to go and get him. Because like you said, this O-line is, is, is not great and he is having to do a lot of extending plays and um, rolling outside the pocket and things like that. And the fact that he's confident in doing that and not wanting to throw the ball away and able to get it to um, his receivers. And yeah, again, his athletic ability, the fact that he can run the ball and get that first down when he has to, like, like he's not like any other quarterback. He's in a league of his own and it's super fun to watch. All right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and this week on the match, we've got a fun one for you, our Super Bowl coaches. So for those that have been hiding under a rock, uh, this year's Super Bowl teams, we have the Los Angeles Rams coming up against the Cincinnati Bengals. So our two Super Bowl co- coaches that will be going toe-to-toe tonight is uh, Sean McVay coming up against Zach Taylor. Now, Stacey, when you think about, you know, early season predictions and trying to think about, you know, who are these coaches that's going to be in that in that Super Bowl, you know, Sean McVay very much feels like that that type of coach, and we'll touch on him, but... Let's talk a little bit about Zach Taylor because, again, start of the season, if you're thinking about who are these top coaches in the game, Zach probably wasn't the first coach that comes to mind. But, yeah, he's he's been incredible um, alongside his star quarterback. Completely agree. And I think that, uh, you know, again, when uh, Zach Taylor moved over to the Bengals, again, he was going in there, he was under the radar. But I don't think a lot of people actually realize that he was – Sean McVay's assistant wide receivers coach and quarterbacks coach in 2017 and 2018. So, I mean, to see these two actually coming up against each other in a Super Bowl has this fascinating narrative uh, as it is, right? But, you know, the fact that he's so offensively minded and comes from that coaching tree of Sean McVay means that you're going to see similar style schemes and similar creativity in the offense um, that you see with the Rams. What I like about him is he's his just changed the culture in the Bengals and he's made them a proud franchise again. And I think, you know, for a guy that's just been sitting on the sideline to all of a sudden be thrust into the throes of the Super Bowl and, and you know, having a chance to take that out is just amazing to see. Beck, it's, uh, you know, when you think about getting a, you know, a rookie quarterback and a new coach, to be honest, I think the front office are just crossing their fingers, hoping they can survive. Because I guess what we're seeing across across the league at the moment is it's very, very rare for them to survive together. I mean, what Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow have been able to do, it's very, very rare. And you think about how disruptive that is if it doesn't work out. You know, there, there's new people come in, they change the whole scheme, it's a whole new playbook. I guess the continuity and, and I guess the relationship they've been able to build, you know, I, I, yeah, Zach, Zach's definitely got to take some credit here for the Bengals. I think it all just worked out to be really great timing for both of them to come in and be aligned with each other because they've obviously done 
you know, a great job together. They were kind of like what each other needed to be successful. And we can see that in the offense and how Zach Taylor incorporates not just Joe Burrow, but every single player that he has on that offense that can make plays for him. He makes sure to include them and that they don't get left out if they're getting covered here. He moves them around. He changes them. Like he's done a really good job to rebuild this offense, which is exactly what they needed. They needed to stop doing, you know, what they'd been doing every year. They needed a refresh. They needed a revamp. And Zach Taylor has done exactly that for them. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very impressive. And speaking of impressive, Stacey, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Sean McVay. Now, what's really interesting with Sean is it's it's hard to say his maturity and, and his evolution as a coach, because he is still so young, but he's definitely sort of showed himself. He's not just this flashy young kid, coming through. He's had a lot of adversity thrown his way. And I guess there's there's two key areas that I want to talk about. Let's start with the quarterback situation because you've got to give this guy a lot of credit. He went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff and that wasn't enough for him. That just goes to show how much of a competitor this guy is because a lot of people, you go to the Super Bowl uh, once, you're happy to sort of sit back and just continue to roll that out. Talk to us a little bit about Sean McVay and his decision to move on from Jared Goff. Yeah, I think it was one of the smartest decisions that they could have made. Uh, Jared Goff, you know, we, we've said it before in previous episodes, you know, when we were talking about Jimmy G. It's kind of like, if you haven't got it, then you're not going to get it. And McVeigh knew that Goff was never going to get it. And I still don't think he's going to get it. So going out and getting Matthew Stafford, which, you know, we've said in previous episodes, um, you know, we didn't know if he was going to be able to play in these big games. He just wants to play in the big moments, and now he's got his big moments. So I think it's finally time for Sean McVay to, as much as I hate to say it, have a really good shot at this Super Bowl. But, you know, he's just fascinating as a coach to begin with. I think the trade was a very interesting one because, like you said, I don't think a lot of people thought that Matt Stafford was the guy to go and get. But Sean Payton obviously had, like, sorry, Sean McVay obviously had some sort of a relationship, connection, watching film, whatever it was about Matt Stafford. He had this feeling and he went with his gut and he took it and it's panned out for him. Like hats off to him because I don't think any other head coach would have done the same thing in his situation. Definitely not. And, I mean, if you look at Matthew Stafford, he had one of one of the best uh, career high seasons when at the Lions when Megatron was still around right? And now he's gone to having the same thing with Cooper Cup. But for me, as a Matthew Stafford kind of fan, uh, you know, for me, it was the game where he separates his shoulder on the field. He is clearly in pain. You can see it hanging out from underneath his pads. He refuses to get taken out of the game, throws a pass, gets a touchdown, wins the game. And then it's like, man, I am dying. Like, get me out of here. Like you have to, you have to feel for those kinds of guys. And those are the kind of guys that make it in the NFL. And that's where my faith in Matthew Stafford has kind of come from. Yeah, no, he, he, it was bold, you know, for Sean McVay to go out and make that decision. Cause if it, if it, if it goes wrong, you've given up your future, you have given up your future and the whole thing implodes. So it was definitely a risky move, but certainly one that's paid off. Just quickly before we get our predictions back, the other little piece of adversity that Sean McVay was able to overcome was this unbelievable rivalry that he just couldn't... His battle with Kyle Shanahan at the San Francisco 49ers, it was getting to the point where the whole NFL community was starting to believe in this, that Sean McVay just couldn't beat Kyle Shanahan. But... You know, it, it wasn't pretty. It was a little bit ugly. But for Sean McVay to finally get that victory, that, that's that's got to feel great for Sean. 
I mean, it's a huge relief because as much as a head coach, you don't want to play to the stats and you don't want to play to the stigma behind games. You, you, know, you have your eyes and your head forward to that day and that game only, but it's hard not to think about past matchups and the losses that you'd had against this team because they are a division rival. They play them twice a year, every year, and it's they haven't always come out on top. But for them to come out on top of this game, the most important game out of all of them, I think would be such a relief to him. And I feel like win or lose in the Super Bowl, he probably feels like he's already won. I mean, he's still going to go and chase that ring for sure. He's not giving up now. But I think that one is just like a kind of game for him. He, uh, Kyle Shanahan has aged uh, Sean McVay, that's for sure. He's, he's not looking as, as young as he once was. All right, Stacey, it's time to pick a winner here now. As your Patriots jersey starts to collect dust and you've got your Bengals jersey on right now, uh, I, I know there's a little bit of bias here, but yeah, what are you thinking here? Battle of the Super Bowl coaches, Sean McVay v, v Zach Taylor. Yeah, look, I feel like I'm that Simpsons meme with Homer and uh, the grass in the background going back with my Patriots jersey and I'm coming back in with my Bengals. And I'm, and I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed at all. But, look, I said in previous episodes that I want Sean McVay to win a Super Bowl because I think he's great as a coach. Yes, of course I do. Do I want the Bengals to win? Yes, of course I do. Um, but if I have to pick one, I'm I'm going to go with Sean McVay because I just feel for the guy having, you know, gone to the Super Bowl and playing one of the most uninspiring Super Bowls that there ever has been with a score of 13 to 3, I think was the final score. Man, that was a boring game. To be able to build this team up to be electric and their defense is just beast and finally everything has come together, I think he deserves it. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going to go with Zach Taylor just because I Sean McVay gets a little bit conservative and cannot run the football. I think he's got he's got a week or two to figure out how to run that football, and if he can, that's the final piece. You know, Sean McVay on paper probably the better coach here, but for me, his inability to to run the football that's that that's that final frontier. Whereas Zach Taylor. It may be the weapons that, that he's got at his disposal, but what can he not do at the moment? Zach has been really, really impressive. So I'm going to lean towards Zach there, but um, I think Sean McVay's got a few things up his sleeve for this Super Bowl. Beck, you are the deciding vote here. Good luck, my friend. Man, this is a tough one because I feel like they both, like as coaches, like take away the teams, as coaches, I feel like Zach Taylor has the potential to be like really good for a really long time and like build a strong team because the team that he has around him are super young and I think they will um, grow together and be successful together. So I don't think this is the last year we'll see them in a playoffs. We could potentially see them in another Super Bowl. Um, And then McVeigh on the other side, I feel like he kind of goes out and just gets the players that he wants to win that year and then kind of has to re-sign and rebuild you know, he, in specific positions here and there. Not all of them, of course, but there's always a couple of players here and there that, you know, he lets go and has to bring in new ones and stuff like that. So I don't know if he will stay on top for a long time. Um, but if I was to pick a coach right here, right now, I think I'm going um, Bengals. Like, yeah, Zach Taylor, I think what he's doing over there is amazing. And I think that, How yeah. How is this starting, even possible? How starting, is this even possible? When you start a team young, when you pick them young, like he's had two really good draft years. So I think that those drafts, he's going to continue to build on those. And that team is going to become a dominant team where I don't think Rams will stay dominant for a long time. And I think that's to do with the way that Sean McVay has decided to build and coach this team. 
All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, we continue to keep our eye on the head coaching vacancies here in the NFL. Beck, this one was a little bit of a shock, you know. We were sort of tracking the Giants and, you know, all, all of the all of the, you know, Raiders and and you know, it was it was all going along smoothly and then uh, Sean Payton uh, just threw a grenade into the into the whole situation resigning as uh, New Orleans Saints head coach. Um uh, Bit of a shock, but uh, yeah, the, the question I've got for you is who is your prediction now in terms of coming in and replacing him? Big shoes to fill, no Drew Brees. This is going to be some challenge, but um, yeah, what, what's your what's your pick here? Super unexpected decision. I don't think anyone's seen this coming. The fact that he's um, not retired, but he's just stepping away kind of makes you think that um, he struggled this year with this team and not having Drew Brees there. So he kind of needs to reset himself, reset his his coaching um, mythology and what he's going to do next. So to step in while he's gone, I think um, a good choice. Kellen Moore, I think, is a really great choice. He's, um, you know, assistant coach at um, the Dallas or offensive coordinator, the Dallas Cowboys. And we can see that um, that offense is, has potential to be dynamite and they've, you know, he's done a really good job over there. So to come over and hopefully, you know, help them select a quarterback and help build that quarterback around that offense that they do have there. I think he'd do a really good job. It's just going to be so weird. No Drew Brees, no Sean Payton in New Orleans. And uh, it's just unbelievable that Ian Book, uh, just was too much for him to handle. I remember watching that game. I, I think, oh, you know, the, the former Notre Dame quarterback, really excited about seeing his debut. I think he got sacked, was it seven times, eight times, nine times? Anyway, it did the coach in, so um, crazy times. All right, in terms of my predictions, look, I'd love to see Eric Bien-Ami, um get a head coaching role. He's the OC for Kansas City, and there's a little bit of history here. Um, you know, for those that don't know, there is the Rooney rule that's in place in the NFL where you have to... Uh, you have to, I guess, interview a certain percentage of um, African-American um, head coaches. That That's sort of designed to bring a little bit more diversity to the head coaching ranks. And it is a significant problem in the NFL at the moment where, um, you know, there's definitely a massive discrepancy there. But Eric Bieniemy, he's just a victim of coming second um, over the last couple of years. He's been so close to getting quite a few jobs now. Now he's in that awkward situation where people are thinking, Stacey, what's wrong with this guy? Like, he's just not, you know, if he... If he didn't get all these other jobs, you know, what's kind of wrong with him? There's nothing wrong. You know, he's been – he has to take – I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, I understand it, but Eric's definitely got to take a, a fair bit of um, a fair bit of credit there. And, you know, this is an offensive league. New Orleans Saints, they're screaming for someone to come in and build an offensive structure here. I mean, they're Alvin Kamara or bust at the moment. So, for me, I'm going to go Eric. Um, Stacey, you get last word on this one. It is tricky trying to work out who the, who the next Saints coach is going to be. Um, but, um, yeah, thoughts? Yeah, look, I originally was thinking Doug Peterson um, just because he's a bit more on the mature side. He's won a Super Bowl before. Uh, he knows the ins and outs. And I think that he would have stayed with the Eagles had there not have been so much political front issues Um, so I think that he's a good option to look at. But, you know, the other option too, which I didn't think about until as we were just talking about it, is Dan Quinn. Um, You know, he got got to the Super Bowl with the Falcons. Obviously, we don't talk about that too often because it's, you know, triggering for Atlanta Falcons fans. Um, But I think that those two kind of teams 
are very similar in structure and the things that they need to build. So I think that he has a little bit more, uh, I mean, depending if he wants to put the effort in and rebuild again, again, but I think he could be a really good fit also. So I think there's a couple of options there. All right, guys, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends, and until next week, Super Bowl week, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.